Hey everyone, what is going on and welcome back to Behind the Pursuit from Bourbon to Brand. I'm your host, Brian Bikey, and again with me today, we have Kenny and Ryan. What's going on, fellas? Welcome back, man. We're excited. Let's keep doing this. I can't. That's I, right. I, I love talking about what we've built. It's it's always fun and interesting, and giving people an insight into just just what it takes to be able to create something that's brand new. That's kind of a little innovative in this world. Yeah, I figured today, you know, going off of what you 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 preluded to last time in, in the the topics that we're going to get into on this podcast is going to be breaking down some of the insider scoop things. So with the first episode or the last episode, we were talking about kind of the transition a little bit, right, from Bourbon Pursuit to, to you all deciding to make this happen as a business. And so, you know, with that, and we've talked about some of the barrel picks that you all have done, I want to talk about laying down product with distillers. And kind of open that up because you will obviously have chosen to do that. That's the the point of uh, Pursuit United is that you will have some marriages and some blending. And all the accolades that we're reading about United right now are talking about being able to, to really well craft a whiskey. And so, but before we talk about kind of the, the blending aspect of that, I want to talk about choosing to lay down with distillers and some of the things that you might run into with that. So let's back up kind of to the beginning of that, which is, you know, before you're laying down your own mash bill or process with some of these folks, walk us through this narrowing down process or, you know, what you're maybe going into this looking for either for your own product or maybe features that you're looking for with distillers that you're choosing, mash bills, any of that. I can tell well, you, it's it's actually a very simple formula, and that is, who's got room to let us in their elevator? <laughs> yeah, right. Because <laughs> it's, it, I mean, it it truly is. I mean, I think it's it's a combination of a few things. Uh, and really, the first thing is, at least for us, we knew that we wanted to find a product that was great at the age we were already wanting to put out. Because when we're sourcing everything that we needed for United that was an exercise in itself to be able to find the right distilling partners, the right bourbon, the right liquid, that when they all married together, they tasted great. And that's great one time, but then how do you do this 75 times over and over and over again? And the only way that you can do that is by putting down your own new make and, and starting that journey. And for us, it was a long process. I and mean, we think we talked about it, you know, one of the previous episodes is it took us over a year in development just for the Pursuit United bourbon side of things to try to figure out what are the distilling partners we want to work with. And after we narrowed it down, we had a blend we liked, then it became the next question of, okay, how do we take this to the next level? Because it's cool to put down and, and get rid of, you know, put out 10,000 bottles but how do you do a hundred thousand? How do you scale that, and how do you make it economical, or you know, you know, economically feasible for yourself as well? Because when you're buying aged product at the four or five year age range, you can make some profit. Don't get me wrong; this is this is a business. You're going to make some profit, but you don't really start seeing any real margins until you put down your new make, because the new make is anywhere between seven hundred and fifty to twelve hundred dollars a barrel versus when you're buying it aged and you're looking at 
3,000 a barrel. Completely different dichotomy of, of what it takes to be able to do that. Now, the, the idea of choosing the partners and, and figuring out where to go, again, it, it kind of came down to the blend, and I'll let Ryan kind of give a few thoughts there too. Yeah, I mean, at first we, uh, you know, with the Pursuit Series, we were sourcing aged barrels, and we kind of thought with Pursuit United that, hey, why don't why would we spend all this much money up front and buy new make when we can buy aged product from different distillers? But then, you know, the it became apparent to us that there's a ton of brands starting. There's a lot of demand for aged whiskey, and a lot of the even just three to four year old five-year-old whiskey was getting consumed up by other brands and other, cause there's just so much demand for it right now. And so, you know, we really liked some of these mash bills and flavor profiles from the distillers. And, you know, Kenny said, you know, how do we scale this? And it wasn't scalable with buying aged inventory anymore because people are just gobbling it up and you're at the demand of the market. And so we were like, well, we're going to have to start to control our own destiny and start laying down uh, these mash bills that we really like for ourselves so we have product in the future. And so, you know, we had the the Tennessee component that we really liked, and there was some mass scale of it, but it was going to be, you know, two, three, four years before we could realize that. And then also, too, with the Kentucky component, there was some, a little bit of aged product, but not much. And so... Yeah, it was just kind of looking at like, where do we want to be at in four to five, six years? And, you know, given what everybody had in stock of the match bills, we're like, we're like, this is not going to work. We're always going to be at the mercy of the source market. And we kind of didn't want to do that game anymore. And so that's kind of where we were like, it's time to, uh, if we're going to be serious about this and not be a hobby and be a business, we're going to have to start uh, laying down our own new make product and start going down that path because otherwise I don't think we would be able to do what we're going to do. Yeah. Which honestly turned out to probably be the right move. You look at anybody else that's out there that has been able to sort of come out on the other side of this, that have been able to create products and continue down this path. They started sourcing and then they also were putting down new make. You look at smoke wagon, you look at, look at those types of brands that's exactly what they were doing. And and they're still able to keep pushing out really good product. And that's really what I hope that we're able to do now that we have secured enough barrels to basically satisfy our releases for the next four years, and then actually really start scaling it on year five in 2026, when a lot of our new make that we put down in 2021 will come online. That's That's really where I feel really confident in the future of where we're going to be able to build this only because we we did own this from the very beginning and we got to have a little bit of that ownership of the process too. It's difficult and it's easy at the same time to pick up a phone and say, hey, what do you got? Okay, cool. I'll write you a check. The barrel show up. This way we know, and this actually goes to what I've preached all along and I love a consistent result out of things. And of course, Bourbon is not always the most consistent product because, hey, every barrel is different depending on where it's at or where it's aged or anything like that. But we knew within a, a relative degree of confidence that the mash bills that we wanted to produce at the distilleries we wanted to produce at the warehouses we wanted to keep them in will create a consistent product. So from years down the line, 
we'll know that it's going to have some variability, but it's going to have a good amount of consistency going to there as well. One more thought on that is like if 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 we were going down like the MGP or Barton or you know the other typical source products, you know it it might have been okay to like say okay we're going to continue to buy age product because it'll be there eventually. But of course we had to make it harder on ourselves because we wanted to be unique and have three different distilleries and blending three components. So it was very challenging to, to rely on others to have age product always for us to be able to fulfill that. And so that was, if we were going to be unique and have these three components, we had to, to we had to make that jump to do the new make. Kenny, you had, you had mentioned, you know, on, on a, one of the previous episodes, so a Bourbon Pursuit episode, uh, talking about this R&D process. For anyone who, who has not caught up on that or, you know, they're joining us here, um, is that R&D process talking solely about narrowing down who you all are working with? Or does it also go into what you all tried to kind of narrow down on the mash bills that you're looking for? And if not the latter... Can we talk a little bit more about that ladder? You know, now that we've you've laid some barrels down with some folks, you know, what's the what's the tasting process look like? That are are you all trying through all the different chars? Are you all you know sampling? You just mentioned you know being able to select which which warehouse even that you're you're aging in. So you're you know reducing the variabilities you might see from the elevation and and rickhouse not knowing if it's on the bottom or it's the top. You know what all what all ratios what all uh, amounts did you all have to taste through to kind of narrow in on these and and how subtle or wide do you find some of those differences well we'll tell a funny story a little bit later on about char levels <laughs> i think we got a we got a pretty funny thing that we thought we made a three hundred thousand dollar mistake at one point but the the other side of this is that when we were first starting and trying to build the components for united i know we've talked about it before it was really at the mercy of the source market. What is available that we can put together that's out there that we can also consistently get. And that's that last kind of adverb right there. Consistent is very, very, very hard to come by because we're not, you know, multi-billionaires with deep pockets that just can throw money at anything and not taste it and say, sure, we'll take the truckload because there are people out there. There are people that do that every single day and they th anything that comes in the market, they just throw money at it and say, we'll figure it out later. We can't really do that. So we had to be very methodic in regards of which components were going to go into it. And it was might have just been serendipitous that it was the, the right components just kind of like fell into our lap. Except the Bardstown Bourbon component. That the Bardstown Bourbon Company component, we really had to go and search out and and make that relationship happen and make those that whiskey those whiskey barrels happen to actually put into it. And that was kind of all Ryan and, and making sure that was a part of it. Now, even when it came coming came to that part, they gave us the opportunity to taste through a few different things. Uh, I think Ryan, what we taste through like five or six different bourbon mash bills. It was something like that that they had. Mm -hmm. Yep, and. That was basically said, this is what we have an excess inventory that you could potentially buy. Some of it's two years, some it's three years, some it's four year. We immediately said, well, we know we're going to be in the four year mark. So that's going to narrow our scope down even more about what's available. Okay. Well, these three, these three mash barrels only have this many barrels, barrels available. Okay. That's going to narrow it down anymore. So 
I think at the end, we really only had around three mash bills that we could choose from. And the difference in the char level or anything like that, we didn't get much of an opportunity to really explore on. It was kind of like a take it or leave it scenario. It's, it's, this is, this is what it is. We didn't, we didn't get to say, Hey, we want to do it. This type of barrel, we, this, you know, Kelvin versus ISC versus char three and char four, uh, 78% core and 72%. We didn't really get a chance. It was sort of, this is what's on the truck and you get it. This is, this is what it is. Yeah. and, And I think that might've been a blessing too, because, um, there's so many variables in bourbon and whiskey and, you know, with barrel chars, mash pills, yeast strains, this and that. And so we we knew we had a really good base, that flavor profile that we really liked. From there, it was just kind of taking what was available, you know, at the three to four year mark that we could start selling in a year or two. And how could we make that component work with the other two components that we really enjoyed together? And so... It kind of just made us laser, almost laser focus on making what what we had and make the best of it. And so once we had, you know, the three components that we really liked, it kind of gave, good God, I'm ADD if I had options to, you know, have 100 different, you know, I think Barstow Bourbon Company actually has 60 different mash bills you can choose from. And if I had that, good God, I mean, blending three was difficult enough, but it, even with three, you can really, with the, that's the beauty of blending and the art of blending that I've learned is that you can really like highlight and showcase each components like weaknesses and hide their flaws through blending. All three components had strong flavor profiles that I really enjoyed, but some of them had something that I did not. And all three of them, I was able to tweak them to where they, they highlighted the best of each product and kind of hid the flaws that I thought were, were there with each one. Kind of to dovetail on that a little bit, I'm sure a lot of listeners have heard of the, the choice overload complex. And you really do get that with, with bourbon. And if you can narrow down your focus and you can say, I think the choice overload thing, I remember, I think it was a TED talk I listened to saying that they went into a grocery store and there were 16 kinds of different ketchups, artisanal ketchups that you could choose from. But you go to Aldi's, there's only one ketchup and that's it. And you reduce the amount of time that you spend trying to figure out everything. But if you can just choose the best of what's in front of you, then you can move forward and you can kind of make that happen. And so I think what Ryan said is that it really was a blessing in disguise. And we're very happy with with what we have chosen. It, when we came through the BBC side of things, it's a, it's a typical bourbon mash bill, 78% corn, 10% uh what is it 78 10 12 yes so 10 percent rye 12 percent malted barley so it's a it's a pretty typical bourbon mash bill that you see across actually a a few different distilleries so we were pretty happy with it uh it's pretty standard when it comes to that when it came very close to the heaven hill mash bill you know for sure even though kenny doesn't know his rye barley you know the (laughs) the first no i was like i was like wait 78 wait wait, wait, (laughs) yeah but and then when it came to everything else when we were working with finger lakes we knew we loved their weeded mash bill we're not going to go try to tweak that. That's that's perfect the way it is. And when we were tasting our Tennessee component, that was really what started this whole thing because we knew that we had a base and something to work with that we loved from the very beginning. So it was just kind of dumb luck also at the same exact time. Yeah, we had three great products and it's like, all right, how can we highlight 
the best of these, you know, and take those three components and blend something together. And then how can we scale that? What would you say is by doing it this way, aside from, I don't know, I guess the diversity that would come from, in your all's case, uh, you know, three different origins that it's coming from, what's the, what's the, the benefits that you will see from laying down in this way for, for you all? I, I think that the biggest benefit, and I'm sure Ryan's going to have a different benefit, but I think one of, I, I feel a good benefit that we're going to have here in a few years is that not every barrel that we're putting down is going to be used for United. We're going to also be able to scale our Pursuit Series line and all the single barrels, and we're going to be able to offer a very wide range of type of barrels that people can select from. It's not just going to be, hey, come to the warehouse, here's three barrels, that just happened to be three ricks away from each other, the same exact mash field, distilled on the same exact day, yet they taste just a little bit different. I mean, whoop, it's gonna, it's a huge game. One yeah. of the three colors. But I mean, this is gonna have a huge array of difference when you when you look at what we can provide on a single barrel offering. And I'm really excited to be able to do that years from now. Yeah, and I think too, like with each, into, you know, you have three different components and with us having you know, the scale we're going to be at, we can decide like, okay, these barrels match what we're going to do for our blend. But I think these barrels, like Kenny talked about, are going to be best for single barrels or to hang on to, to mature longer. We can start to cherry pick the barrels that we really want for the blend. Whereas now we're kind of at the mercy of this is what we have in stock and this is what's going to go in the blend no matter what so let's make the best of it so we can really start to you know tweak the blend and make each one unique how we want um, each batch to be different because we'll have so much more barrels to pick and choose from and so I'm, I'm excited about that because we won't be just confined to you know the limited amount of barrels we have now we'll be able to pick and choose exactly you know how we want each batch to taste and then we can hang on to stuff to be single barrels or to be aged longer, to, to blend the product at a, at a higher age. So it's going to be fun. Pursuit United 10 year. Is that what we're thinking? Mm-hmm. I don't barrel proof, charred, toasted, tar toasted. Finished, <laughs> finished in Spanish, <laughs> French yeah, and Canadian casks. Exactly. By the time Pursuit Your Old 10 year comes out, I don't think I'm going to have any black hair left in my head. It's going to be all gray by then. <laughs> so with some of those being, some of those being pros, what what are you all seeing? Maybe you have seen already. Maybe you're just forecasting out. What do you what do you all find as the the biggest drawbacks to to laying down with other distillers or you know having product that you know is is either stored there or was was made? You know you you mentioned obviously earlier about being able to have kind of a smaller selection that you're pulling from and that not blinding you you know to all the different choices that are there. But are you finding or thought about any drawbacks to laying down with distillers in this way or being offered what you were offered and saying it's a take it or leave it kind of thing? Yeah, right now it's fuel costs. That's, I think that's <laughs> our biggest drawback. Uh, so I think Ryan has said it before. We had a great idea and now we're going to really have to own this idea come 2026 when we really scale this thing because we have to ship a ton of barrels from all these distilleries into Bardstown for bottling. Mm -hmm. 
it's okay to do six or eight barrels because that's, I don't know, 400 bucks in freight, 500 bucks in freight. I mean, we're going to be talking tens of thousands of dollars of just having to move barrels every single time we want to do this. And <laughs> I guess hindsight's 2020, but hey, we're in it now. Like we can't turn back. So I think uh, we just got to keep moving forward with it. Yeah, I keep telling Kenny, I'm like, you sure you don't age everything in Bardstown? He's like, no, we got to keep the terrar and, you know, the same. And and I agree. I, I, I think we want to, we know what it tastes like, you know, with our New York component being aged in New York, our Bardstown being in Bardstown, Tennessee to Tennessee, and the rise being in Baltimore and Kentucky. And so I, I think it's important that we keep that, you know, aging profile consistency. But yeah, it, it, and Kenny's on the upside, so this is a negative for him, not for me, but uh, it will definitely be a logistical nightmare every time we go to, you know, start to corral barrels and get them all to meet in Bardstown to where okay. we can start picking and choosing and blending. Um, two, the, the the biggest downfall is now is just, you know, the capital that it takes and the, you know, the investment right now, it's like, holy cow, you know, it's just so capital intensive and, and you just, you think it's, everything's going to be okay. And, and I think it will be, but you're just like, okay, <laughs> you know, this is, that, that's one of the, you know, every entrepreneur goes through it. You're like, you have this idea and a vision and you just hope it comes through, but you know, sometimes it weighs on you. So that's, that's, uh, one of the things too, you worry about as well. Yeah. We want to make sure we're taking care of other people's money too. I mean, this is granted Ryan and I, we both have some skin in the game. But we are also have a lot of other people's skin at the game too. We're raising $1.3 million a year to be able to put down new make at all these different distilleries. And that's not something that we take lightly. And we're doing, I think, 1,300 barrels per year at all of our partner distilleries. It, it seems like a lot. For us, it's a lot. For Heaven Hill, they do that in a day. Now, granted, we have to sort of look at that with a, a macro versus a micro lens here and I'm I'm really excited for for where we're going to be with that. I think Ryan and I we were talking the other day. We've got a whole spreadsheet and in that spreadsheet it lists every barrel that we have so I can track it. I've got the serial number, I got the lock code and all that sort of stuff and I think we had a, a a real moment a few weeks ago and after our our first run of BBC and we've also had them at our Tennessee distillery and we look in there and it's like, gosh, we actually have around 1300 barrels in inventory right now. We feel like a real whiskey company all of a sudden. We got options now. Yeah. Just going to take four more years to realize those <laughs> yeah. options, but we have options. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. I'd like to say the only thing we have is time, but I, you, you remember that movie with Adam Sandler? It was called Click or something like that. Or He had a remote and he could fast forward through time. Does anybody remember that? Mm-mm. Just me. All right. I I'm sure. That, baby. Yep. I'm sure there's another listener out there. <laughs> I, I almost feel I, I want that fast forward remote to get us there, but part of me knows that I'm going to like the journey along the way too. You know, with with that vision, and you talking about your spreadsheets and kind of planning everything out. You know, we we always know there are random things that come up. They they cause some hiccups, some bumps in the road. We don't obviously know what a lot of those things are. But is there any concern? You know, so you're working with some partners who. I would think, unless maybe maybe not, maybe you could tell me otherwise. You know, they'll let other folks, other brands, other people lay down make as well. Is there any concern that somehow it's they're gonna run out of they're gonna run out of space? There's gonna be something that 
that bumps you all out that 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 causes some some hiccups in in this playing out is that something that you know is a realization you guys have to think about <laughs> well not really for me ryan says totally i look at it as a, we have a signed contract and we are, we are guaranteed this many barrels every year so i that's an easy yeah one but to the contract's only three years and so it you hope and we just got to be in front of the line. Be in front of the line. We have to renew it. That's that's what it comes down to. And and I'm already talking to all three of them, and I'm saying, can we sign a lifetime contract? I want something in perpetuity, mm-hmm. something to perpetuity, and none of them will do it. But it's like, I mean, it is something you're concerned because it's like, okay, what if, you know, I always had this concern, you know, say if I was if I were in an MGP product, you know, when they bought Luxrow and bought all their brands, I would be concerned because I would think okay, they're buying all these brands. Are they going to start to shift all their whiskey towards that? And, you know, with our partners as well, I mean, there there, two of them I'm not concerned about, but one I am, you know. But I, I think they're, you know, after talking with them, I think their long-term strategy is to still be in the contract distilling. And so I think we will have that forever, but it's something you got to worry about. You know, it's like, I don't think we have to worry about it now, but it's something in the back of your head because, uh, you know, people change and people, you never know what happens. Like pe- companies get bought out all the time. The vision changes, the strategy changes. And so it's something you always got to, you know, it's it's something you got to think about. Because I would honestly hate to have to open up a distillery. I would hate to have to do that <laughs> to try to keep this thing going. Why is that? Why do you think? Well, I'm not going to moonshine you. You going to go to it? Uh, <laughs> I'll go on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, I was say, I was like, I'm not going to do it. I'll hire somebody. And then we got to fork over, I don't know, how many tens of millions of dollars to make this thing look good. And you, that break-even point is a long way of the future. And so I I think the... But just imagine said, the journey. Oh, okay. I'm, we're already on the journey. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think it's... Uh, what was it? There was a quote from The Office that said, uh, I wish somebody could tell you that the, the good old days, like you're in the good old days right now before you passed them. And like, I feel like we're in the good old days, like right now. I don't, I don't want to have to go in the future and, and have to look back and like, oh yeah, uh, we, we should, we shouldn't have done that because now it's not the same. But now I, I definitely do not want to be a master distiller. I, I don't want to own a distillery. I think it's a lot easier to cook in somebody else's kitchen. And if we can keep that going, then I'll be more than happy. Yeah, but something you're back in your mind because I mean, you look at brands like Willet or Luxrow or Four Rows. I mean, not Four Rows, but Bullet. You know, they all probably thought there's no way we'll be distilling one day, and then, <laughs> you know, sure enough, they're having to. So, well, Ryan, if we get to that scale one day, I don't know. I don't know like how to bet on this one, but I, I, I don't, I don't see us getting to that level of scale. I, I would love. want to say that seems like a good problem to have with all, all the difficulties that would come in it, but maybe that's oh, a better be di- topic be for another episode. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be a good another episode. What's what's the worst case scenario for Shakespeare? <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's your worst nightmare? Go ahead. Put it out there. So along this process with laying down, are there, of all the things that we might be thankful for, that we don't have to worry about in, in making our decisions and or char or whatever Cooperage. are there any things that you wish that you could have control of that you do not time 
is is one materials uh the supply chain <laughs> i think i think right now we're we're starting to hit a lot of these sort of road bumps i'm sorry to say yeah uh bumps in the road i guess you'd say and i think the 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 hardest thing that i'm starting to find is that even though we try to plan ahead it just doesn't seem to be far enough ahead and we are continually coming to the wire every single time when it's coming time to bottling or doing uh getting money in or having to pay somebody it's it's just kind of like you know always hitting on all cylinders and so i think if i could control that a little bit more it'd be great but i know that that's uh that's not going to happen uh I'll, ryan ryan's a little more insightful with some of this stuff so i'll see if he has uh, something better to say here yeah i mean when you're in business uh it, and it took me a long time to learn this because the first five years or so, I spent it banging my head against the wall trying to control everything. And you just learn that what can go wrong is going to go wrong, and you have to roll with it and adapt and change. But the the bourbon business is one that I've never seen, like something I've never seen. It's at the minimum, you have to plan six months in advance, at the very minimum. On most, it's probably a year to, I don't know, 18 months. You have to like really plan out. And it's, that's hard to do because things change so much, you know, and you're like, okay, I want to order these shippers or this and that for six to eight months. And then you're like, well, we got into some barrels and we're going to actually have a bigger or this or that. And it's like, everything's just so out of your control. And, and you can't, like Kenny said, you can't plan and Kenny deals with most of this stuff and I get to hear his grievances and I try to, I try to, you know, walk him off the ledge. I cry his shoulder every (laughs) once in a while. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, that, that's the biggest hurdle is when, you know, and and we're doing some decent size bottlings now, but we're still very small in the, and, you know, most people are willing to work with us because of who we are in the, you know, the bourbon media space, but still it's, we're a small thorn in their side compared to everyone else. And so we get pushed to the back of everything. And so that that's the hardest part is, you know, not being in control of all the, the supplies and materials and everything that you need to, to make everything happen. You know, and we, you mentioned earlier too, that, you know, there are a lot of brands that are, that are doing, they're, they're grabbing MGP products, right? And there's a lot of similarities to, to that. And we see some of the the difference with the the way that you all are doing this specifically with, you know, who you've chosen to make product with. But I'm curious, how, if there is a way, do you all ensure that Pursuit Spirits is different, that it stays, you know, what it is or that it stays as you know a product that kind of has its own well how do i want to put it essence has its own essence has its own has its own life has it own its own lane that it rides in i mean we can't put a patent on our blend we can't put a patent on the barrels that we source we can't do anything that ultimately protects that and that's why we're we try to be as transparent as possible. The only thing we're not transparent with is the ratio of the blend, because honestly, that is something that if we gave that out, that is what can be replicated. 
because you could go to, and that's us being transparent to a fault. We tell you exactly who we're getting all our barrels from. We tell you exactly. And, and so mash bills and everything. Yeah, mash bills and everything. We're not we're not trying to hide uh, anything there. So we're very transparent with that. So that could come back to bite us one day. And I think it, it does get scary to a point. But honestly, there is so much abundance in the world of whiskey. There's so much areas that people can play that I don't think people are going to try to play in our sandbox. We were able to work with a few different distilleries and and try to find a formula and a recipe that works well for us. And I think that we've we've made that successful. Now, would it be as successful as just going straight to MGP, buying a bunch of five-year-old product, dumping it and bottling it? I don't know. I can tell you one thing, it'd be a hell of a lot simpler to do that but mm-hmm. that's that's a that's not the game that we are into. We wanted to find something that was completely different, gave our our listeners and our consumers a completely different kind of experience than just getting another MGP product off the shelf. Not that there's anything wrong with MGP. We just wanted to be a lot different. So I'm not entirely worried about you know losing anything just because of the ability of, of somebody stealing our, our essence or what we've what we built. Only because there's a, a large playground with whiskey and knowing that we've kind of treached down this path already and we have we have certainly cemented our our future with it whether it's for uh you know we have to buy our own ltl trucking company in the future or not that's just something that we're gonna have to deal with our hope is that you know i I think we're taking a slight risk and well it's a huge risk really and you know we're, we're taking a different strategy in the sourcing game um, from what the playbook that's been most successful. And I guess our hope is, or not our hope, but I, I just don't think people are going to go to the, the links that we have. And I, I, I'm not sure that there's going to be similarities there already are. There's some, you know, people doing, you know, craft distilleries and this and that, you know, trying to blend them together. But I don't know. I think we're, we're in a unique position, like I said, with, our podcast and the people that we have decided to work with, I'm not sure, you know, that they would do that with just anyone. They trust us and we trust them. And I, I think we have such a good working relationship with all our partners that I, I think it's going to be hard to replicate with other people. And I also want to mention kind of going back to the very first question is that could this, would, would we ever actually be worried about that? The problem is, is get in line because any place you're trying to go to right now that does contract distillation, especially in Kentucky, you're not going to be able to get any sort of contract distillation, con- you know, contract for quite a few years. So you've got, we've got a little bit of a, a, a head start. I think that's the best way to put it. Yeah. I mean, I know for a fact that they wouldn't have, you know, especially Bar Sun Bourbon, all of our partners, really, they wouldn't have answered our calls if we didn't have the podcast and our media presence. And that's, it, it's definitely given us a unique advantage over a lot of people in that sense. I think the listeners, I think the tasters, I think the people who are going to be trying these whiskeys, you know, in continuing to over the years, you know, they're going to be able to taste that even just recently, you know, in reflection of 2021, we have this article that came out from Uproxx, 50 best bourbon whiskeys of the year. And, you know, at the bottom line where they talked about after they're tasting through the bottle, 
and we're talking about Pursuit United Bourbon here, their description for that was, this is another masterclass in what great blending can do across state lines. The sip is an easy one that brings the depth you want from an almost old school tasting bourbon while still being fun to drink and mix. And this is not just what we're reading from this article, right? This is what a lot of folks are saying is being able to find a whiskey that's different than the usual things that you're seeing on the shelves, which again, are not, they're, they're following formulas that you all are staying away from. And, I, and I'm excited to see how, you know, laying down with these distillers is going to continue to tell your all story and their story too, you know, in the coming years as the brand grows. Yeah. And I think that's one of the cool things is, you know, as you mentioned with bringing the other distilleries on, it's, it's, this is not just our journey. It's, it's all of us. And maybe it's also a reason that later on, if something does happen, we can shift the blame be like, ah, well, we'll do the whole Spider-Man pointing thing. Like, no, it wasn't mm-hmm. me. It was this that's distiller. Right. It was, that's right. <laughs> you know, it was one of those things. Um, but, you know, I, I, I am fortunate that, you know, people are writing articles like that and people have that sort of sentiment to it because that's really what we set out to do. That was that was ultimately the mission. It was to create a, a unique product, something that hadn't been done before. Doesn't mean it can't be replicated at some point, but we feel very confident in, in what we did build. And now it's just, now we're on stage two. Uh, we've, we've got the pilot out there and now we've got to figure out how we, how we take it to the next level. And the great thing is that we have secured all the barrels that we need for the next four to five years, and we're ready for hitting that first scale point in 2026. But you know, through the next few years, we've got a lot of different barrels still sitting in all these different warehouses throughout the country that we'll be able to bring together and blend together, and and hopefully continue making such a an amazing product. And you know, again, hats off to Ryan for you know putting the putting the, the, the magic touch on some of this too. Yeah, I don't know about that. Well, it's <laughs> <laughs> my goal with this whole thing, and our goal is like, okay, we're in the sourcing game. We know that. We know how people feel about it. And yeah, how can we not be hate us? <laughs> how can, you know, we're in the bourbon media. It's like, you know, we, we have, we already had a target on our back. It's like, we can't fail going. And that, you know, motivated me and us to create something that was unique and something that's different. You know, I mean, I mean, let's be real. It's four to five year old whiskey. Is it the best thing out there? No, it's not. But if you try it against some of your favorite offerings and, you know, stuff that's in the four to five year range, I feel like it's, just as good. And if it's not as good, it's something different that you're not, you're going to get flavors that you haven't had before. And that, that was the goal. And it's like, how can we, cause we're at the mercy of time and we had, there, there's no 12 year barrels out there. <laughs> you know, it's like, we can't do that. And so how can we make what, how can we make eliminate out of the lemons, you know, to be lame, you know, to, to take a, you know, a cliche term, but, um, and now that we get to scale it and we can really with that scale refine it and keep working on it and keep improving the process and get it to where exactly how we want it and we're even though we have those components that you know with bourbon nothing's consistent but we can really refine it and make it our own that's exciting to me and i think we're going to keep getting better we're not going to we're never going to get complacent because we're 
we are whiskey geeks and whiskey enthusiasts and we want to bring the best product out there to people. So that's where, where the, the passion and everything's going to be poured into every batch and everything moving forward. Huzzah. Couldn't have said it better. Guys, I really appreciate you getting into all this stuff tonight. Really, really interesting episode here. I want to remind all the listeners out there, you can email in podcast at pursuitspirits.com. If you all have questions, topics that you all want us to get into on future episodes, we'd love to start cataloging that stuff so we can talk about some of the things that you all are interested in, either in the business or behind the pursuit. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Until next time. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.